0: Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast, together with show notes, via our website, carvillecreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. In this episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I'm delighted to interview Bob Picard. Bob is Principal of Signal Leadership Communication, Inc., a Toronto-based public relations consultancy exclusively serving senior executives dealing with digital disruption. In this capacity, he and his partners provide communications counsel to C-suite leaders on image, issues, relationships, and reputation. Bob is a well-known veteran of the global PR industry, having run consultancy businesses across international markets, working in Canada, United States, Korea, Japan, and Singapore. So hi, Bob. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: It's my pleasure, Michelle.
0: So, we have conversed quite a few times uh, on social media. Um, We've been tagged in the same conversations on Twitter. We've been tagged in the same conversations on LinkedIn. You're clearly very active when it comes to uh, being a leader that is utilizing and optimizing these social technologies. So, could you give me a little bit of a background as to how you got started?
1: I got started in social media when I was the North Asian president of the PR firm Edelman, and I was based in Tokyo, Japan. And at that time, I found that if I shared experiences of my life working in that firm, uh, client activities, staff events, anything to do with the capture of the communications work I was doing, if I shared it on Facebook, and we're talking 2007, 2008 now, Mm -hmm. I would find that my fellow colleagues working in the global firm would see what we were up to in Japan, and they would refer to us more business the more that they had a window on what we were doing in the Tokyo office on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, wow, these people, my colleagues, are going to subscribe to our services far more intensely because of what they see what, that we're doing here. They have confidence in us and they, they know who we are through our sharing on social. And this was in the very early days of Facebook. Yeah. And at that time, like most companies, we had a corporate intranet. And it became very clear in a short period of time that far, far more people were moved by what we were sharing on Facebook than what we were sharing on the corporate intranet. And I thought that was very curious. And at that point, I realized the power of this thing to influence people and to make them feel a, a close connection to you, even though they may not have had any previous introduction. Which I found very interesting.
0: Yeah, and and that's interesting that that was it was your people. You know, it was more your colleagues rather than you know the promotional aspect of, of Facebook that really triggered that that connection and. and that's come through on a few of the podcasts, actually, and a few of the interviews, the internal use of social technologies as a, as, a, as a kind of social glue, you know, keeping organizations together um, and people finding their own way with the tech rather than being conformed to what the organization is is saying you need to, you know, you need to utilize. So that's interesting. That was your starting point.
1: Well, social cuts across the boundaries. And if you can tell me where the line is today between internal communication and external communication, then I'll certainly be impressed because I, I think that's become a rather uh, unclear uh, dividing line if indeed there is any demarcation anymore. And being in the PR business, and I do approach social technologies from a, a public relations perspective, yeah. you know, I have uh, a professional obligation and a duty. To know this stuff, and so whether it's Facebook in 2007 or Twitter in 2008, uh, you know, I've had to get my hands dirty and know this in my bones, so that my clients could have confidence that when I give them advice at a senior level, they know that I'm social savvy and can give them some feeling about what to expect if they invest in in online marketing or in building relationships uh, as part of the corporate communication function through social media.
0: So what friction? Bob, would you say you've come up against over the years? Uh, I mean, I, I can I, I know what I've come up against when I've mm-hmm. spoken to organisations, and particularly at the leadership level, it still still is there. Still is fear. There still is friction. What What have you, um, you know, in seen and evidenced over the years and experienced? What, what's been that shift? Do you feel there's been a shift? since you know that time to where we are now, is it more readily embraced that mm-hmm. people know that they need to be utilizing these social technologies, whether internally or externally? What, what, what's, what's your view on that?
1: I would say that fear is the key feeling around this, and it's behind a lot of different things. For example, I think a lot of CEOs or top executives have been afraid or rather timid about communicating on social media because they've been fearful of making a mistake, which Mm. could limit their career chances or in some way harm the organization. Now, I think there has been a shift to your question. I think there is still fear, but the fear is now more increasingly about what happens if our company encounters a crisis situation or some problem which the public wants us to communicate about and I'm not on social media. Yeah. That fear, the fear of being uh, absent when something bad happens, I think is now more acute than the fear of being there and making a mistake. And that's a real turning point, in my opinion.
0: Mm, that That is. And, and so in your line of work, then you're helping leaders, organizations to, I mean, in just the same way that you would from a, let's say, old-fashioned traditional PR, because this is now traditional PR, you know, but but pre-social technologies, you would have been there advising, um, you know, reputation management, what people say in those situations. This is the same that's happening now through social technologies.
1: Well, sure. And, and pre-social media, we corporate communicators were under the illusion that somehow we controlled that reputation, which our activities were designed to manage. Mm. And now, of course, it's very clear that it's the public, it's the mass constituency of people who use social media. They are the ones who determine what your, your reputation is going to be. And it's, I think, very important for companies to realize that there's a difference between their image, which is the everyday sharing of impressions in the now of social media and the sum total of all these things, all these shares, all these comments, all these engagements online over a long period of time, which tends to, to create reputation, which is not an overnight thing. So this shift of power uh, from the company that has the illusion of control to the mass audience, uh, people who co-create the reality of, Of a company's reputation over a period of time. This has radically transformed the PR consulting business worldwide.
0: Yeah. And so I I mean, and and that's that raises a number of of points, doesn't it, around the balance of control. uh, Because in my experience and from the research that I did when I was writing Get Social, the mm. consumer behavior, this belief-driven buyer, that their values are so much more, uh, you know, they're more concerned about their values being aligned with organizations where their values match. And they believe that organizations solve more ills than governments or should right. solve more ills than governments. So in some respects, there's there's more... Um, responsibility, isn't there, on organizations?
1: Well, they have to act uh, with more of a, a sense of connectivity with the people they have relationships with online. Yeah. And these people aren't just people who are online uh, just for the heck of it uh, in a in a casual or uh, uh, uninterested way. I would say that most companies... Even B two B concerns with very sort of niche orientations in the marketplace, they are surprised all the time mm. by the large number of people online who who have a relationship with them and believe at scale that they themselves have an individual relationship with the company through social media. Whether or not you know in the analog world that is verifiably the case. Yeah. So if they feel they have this relationship with the company, then the company sure has heck be able to communicate with them. And the number one problem I see for most companies is that they regard social media in too many cases as about a marketing channel designed to sell stuff to people, like yeah. television or something, when really it's about, it's about managing relationships. And I think a lot of companies still have not figured that out, sadly. Yeah
0: yeah i i'm I'm with you, and I think that managing relationships as much as it's about managing those relationships because you're absolutely right as consumers there is that investment isn't there there is there they are investing their time it's it's they are invested into the brand and and believe in those relationships and and want those relationships to be reciprocated, but there's also right. that connection not just with your external customers and your external kind of stakeholders, but also with your own team, you know, your own employees, that connection with, you know, as I refer to them, the internal customers. That connection is often missing in organizations as well, isn't it?
1: Well, I think it's clearly an area for development for many companies. And a lot of the incoming next generation of CEOs intuitively grasp what it is that you're getting at here.
0: Mm.
1: It's the more mature constituency of people who didn't grow up in this new world who represent a development opportunity for consultants such as myself and others uh, who are here to help them understand that they don't live in this top-down corporate monologue Mm -hmm. world of control where it's like a one-way communication to a mass audience of consumers who are passively expected just to sit there and receive information. It's a horizontal, uh, peer-to-peer, mutually um, satisfying exchange of information that we're aiming at here. And there's been one really important uh, new development, I think, in the past few months. Edelman, with their global trust barometer, they've come out with a survey across many different countries. I just tweeted about this a few weeks ago finding that worldwide across all the major economies they surveyed, 63% of the people now say that CEOs should regularly communicate directly to the public on social media. And that's up 11 points since last year. So now we have not just majority support for social CEOs, we're closing in on two thirds support for, for this happening. And that is a a real shift. So, what we're talking about today—that's in the vanguard, I think, of this new trend that's breaking through now.
0: Yeah, and it's so, so it's it's almost not optional, is it? You know, I mean, and I, it's we say all oh, the new CEOs coming through, the fresher, the you know, the the younger, the millennials are going to come in, and you know, sure. and, and change everything, but. But realistically that's that's like you say, that's a big that's a big number and these technologies, when we talk about business strategy, I mean business strategy, digital strategy, they are so inextricably linked. Social technologies are are a big enabler of digital strategy. So it's mm. it's not something that CEOs and C suites should be ignoring or, or 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 not wanting to get involved with because this is, these are engines, aren't they? These are tools to enable them to facilitate ongoing success.
1: Well, and I think part of the problem here is that a lot of the executives, and I wouldn't want to pick on any particular professions, but we often see this with lawyers or with engineers and sometimes with doctors. They, they are not wired through their upbringing in school and then later in corporate life to to grasp the the fluidity or the uh, spontaneity or the nowness if you will of what we're discussing mm. and i think i've seen this kind of change in the pr business i mean it used to be that we had interval communication where companies and their leaders would Schedule well in advance at predetermined dates and times, the sharing of information with the public, you know like a press conference or the issuance of a mm-hmm. of a news release, um, whereas now what the CEO says or does is always within the capture radius of social media and it's almost you know it's almost impossible now to devise communications plans that have timelines which list or outline activities which actually happen the way that you think they are? Because as you know, Michelle, on social, you just vary a few words here and there, or you use this picture and not that picture, or even just vary the punctuation a bit. And something that was not selling well or moving quickly on social suddenly becomes viral or yes. it's a, something they've done wrong and it blows up in their face unexpectedly. So how do you plan for some of these things? It's, it's very hard. And yet at the same time, a lot of companies, they they still have these old crisis communications manuals gathering dust on their shelves or on the corporate intranet and they've never actually conducted a simulation using social media role playing um, or simulation that takes into account you know what could happen on Twitter for example
0: yeah yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier, Bob, about um, you know, the line between uh, communications. Yes. You, the line between those. What about the line between because this is another challenge that I hear a lot, um, you know, push back on is that I don't want my personal life to be all over social media. Right. You know, I don't I don't wanna be, I mean, some some people are very comfortable to be the showman or the showwoman, shall we say, but some people aren't. So they, they don't want their life all over there. And, and, and there is this balance or perceived balance of, you know, their business life and their professional life. Have you, have you come up against this? Bob, is this, is this something that you've seen, uh, you know, more fear around?
1: Yeah, I think people are trying to figure out how much of who they really are that they should share and frame in a way that people see in public. Mm. And I, I find that there's no one size fit all. I will sit down with various executives and we'll discuss what topics they they want to share or what aspects of their lives they, they are comfortable having in, in the public domain. But some people would be far more inclined to be uh, sort of arm's length or rather um, Careful, or um, not too specific about how they may themselves feel about something. Whereas other people, um, they want to show every every emotion, every feeling, every every twitch, almost like they are at the extreme opposite end of the spectrum where they want to share too much. So there are people who want to share too much, and there are people who don't want to share enough. And getting that right is is where coaches and consultants can can help some of these people communicate well and to be on social media just to use the social technology yeah. is not the same thing no. as being an effective communicator
0: no and and what how what do you mean by that bob to, to, just let's dig a little bit into that
1: well i think if somebody if a ceo were to think oh well i've got to be a social ceo now and they they start to to just tweet or to to use linkedin posts mm. they may or may not have, a, have a, a feeling or a sense of what's appropriate in terms of how they say things. Yes. Um, when they say them, you know, how much to share, yeah. how much, um, you know, personal information to put out there. And so in many cases, what I have found is that they can benefit from a coach or a, communicating, a communications advisor who, who can help them understand um, what the content preferences. Uh, of the audiences they're communicating with should be who can help them understand frequency, understand appropriateness. Yes. That's a good word to to get the feeling across here. Yeah. They may, they may lack that, that sense on their own or they lose perspective.
0: Yes, I think that's a, I think that's a valid, and, and it is, it's because you do see, you know, I have seen with lots of enthusiasm, okay, I'm going to take to this, you know, and, mm. and get going and think, oh, no, you know, uh, somebody needs to be holding their hand and, and making sure that this is optimized, for want of a better word.
1: Well, I, I, I think a lot of the executives I work with will be surprised when they realize there's almost a, a planned obsolescence to the services I provide yes. because I'm helping them. I'm helping them understand how to do this effectively. Just Excellent. having been around the block and I, you know, like a lot of executives, I've learned some lessons the hard way myself and I've seen clients learn lessons the hard way through making mistakes. Yeah. So if I can help some of these folks avoid that and, and, and start to, to learn by uh, well looking at the analytics, looking at what people respond yes. to what yes. what what's what what they react to and what what they don't react to, yeah. um, then they develop a feeling for it themselves, and having been well coached they they can effortlessly just do it themselves and away they go
0: absolutely it, it is it's kind of getting into the swing of things isn't it, so that you you understand what works and what and what doesn't listening to those signals um, and so you know there's probably People listening to this are, some of them will be already engaged. Some of Mm -hmm. them will be keen to start out. Some people, you know, won't know where to start. Mm -hmm. What, what would you say to somebody, you know, what advice to give them to, to give some practicality, what advice would you say? Because I think, I, I know from my experience, um, some people will say, "Okay, well, I need to be on LinkedIn and I need to be on Facebook," and it's kind of like you know what—you need to do this on your terms, and it's got mm-hmm. to feel right for you, and it's got to be authentic for you. You know, you can't you, you can't completely have a personality shift. You know, this isn't what this is about. This is about making it, it it work in a way that works for you. So, what what advice would you say to somebody who was starting out? Bob?
1: I would say to Look and learn, and to um, be a listener before you start talking. There is mm-hmm. this there is this misconception that that communicating is is about just talking. But of course, I, I think if somebody wants to start using social media and they're a bit apprehensive or inexperienced, they should they should have accounts on these different platform different platforms, which um, you know may be there for for watching or for uh, listening, and then they can determine which of the different social media platforms might make sense for them. Now I've been doing this long enough and, and of course you're an expert in this space too. It's, I I find it very straightforward to go into a situation and to look at an executive, Mm -hmm. consider their company's business and, and confidently advise them. Okay. You know what? I think you should be on LinkedIn and, and, and communicate on Twitter, but really I don't think, I don't think you should be doing this on Facebook for example. Yes. And a lot of companies and a lot of clients, they may not uh, have that same perspective. I'm also finding more and more that if you can introduce the executives to some of these different platforms with pros and cons, tell them how they should use these different um, social media networks, then uh, they will uh, themselves be able to make a decision over time that that fits well, like I and I find Instagram interesting in this regard because it's so easy for anybody to pick up and start using. I've seen a lot of executives, a lot of clients, they're sort of off to the races already using Instagram. Especially if they take good pictures yeah. and they like to use their smartphone, then then okay, are, are you? And I find if they're happy using that and they're comfortable using it, um, that's that's a good entry point uh, to their use of social for leadership communication.
0: It's the kind of perfect starting point, Instagram, really, isn't it? Because it's it's harmless in many ways. You know, there's it, it's not as political as Twitter, and it's not as connected, in in for want of a better word, as as LinkedIn. You know, in the professional sense. So it's a, it has at this moment got that freer freer vibe around it.
1: At this moment is correct, who knows what exactly. it's going to be like a year from now
0: yeah it'll it'll change it all keeps evolving it's so funny in fact today I was somebody asked me about, oh, do you remember that donut um infographic that used to be around saying that oh instagram is first you know taking pictures of me with my friends or Mm. to show me eating the dirt and and it was so funny that somebody sent me the infographic and it's all so changed you know talking about google plus talking about instagram for taking vintage photos because of course when it started it was all about the old kind of um polaroid shots and filters Mm. which i totally forgot that even happened on instagram you know when it started but of course it did uh, so things are changing all the time you have been utilizing these channels like me for such a long time what's your biggest learning so far would you say you know is there anything that you wish you'd known at the outset that would have made life simpler that you could yes change?
1: well there's a mistake that i made and a recurring pattern of of mistakes that i made in the early days earlier days of twitter for example. Um, although i did the same on facebook i would often when i was in asia i would post my everyday travels meeting with colleagues in in different markets so i would go to china india indonesia whatever and i would i would share what's going on what was going on with my work there but a lot of my audience was still back in north america where i'm from mm-hmm. and you know, to me that that was just my life, the way I was living at them. But to them, I was off gallivanting in <laughs> in some you know exotic foreign uh, context, in some you know I'd be in like Bali or or Phuket or some 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 tropical um, you know mysteriously alluring uh, oasis of some kind. And they, <laughs> you know, I, I what I didn't realize then is that what I was sharing might have come across to them like boasting
0: mm. or,
1: or maybe they felt envious. Maybe they wouldn't have minded being being on the road in these places too. Mm-hmm. And so I've I have seen some people who are late to social media, senior people, former politicians, for example, senior yeah. executives. And then if they're new, then suddenly they start using the that the features on Facebook where it shows the map and and the dotted line, and you're traveling from one world capital to another and i just think that rubs people the wrong way and i know it because that's what i did 7 7 or 8 years ago
0: yeah good so 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 be mindful of that then everybody that it it could be i mean if it, if there's a purpose for doing that if there is intent then and it and it's for a purpose that you're doing that you know then great but if it it could like you say without without a structural story around it could come across as like you say, boasting and rub people up the wrong way. So, so there is that there is that planning aspect to things, isn't there, to a degree?
1: Well, you're right. I mean, it's not all sort of on the back of an envelope, or just as you think about it, um, you know, you you really should have a plan. You yeah. should have a strategy, and yeah. it's not it's not something that's designed to hoodwink people or to or to no. trick them into something. This is just you know a, a sensible strategy that 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 where you share yourself. At your best, so that people will be able to tune into your frequency online and and have a positive relationship with you
0: absolutely um, and,
1: and social media is such an emotionally charged form of media, and you know i think that I think that feelings like like anger like like envy jealousy um, the um, the positive emotions too. A lot of these feelings are, are understudied, and still we're we're learning our way right now. Mm. Uh, for example, uh, toxic anger uh, in politics, uh, the uh, increase of polarization. Mm. Um, you know, people seeing the lives of those who have more than they do, yeah, and, and thinking I'm just as good as them, and if um, I and and they will listen to me, and if they don't, well, um, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them at election time or when the referendum comes yeah um, you know this is this is heading into a new territory that i don't think we all have the answer to yet and, no. and things are changing fast it's constant. it's
0: social science isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah exactly
0: it is it's 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 interesting and and so um so if you were to give one piece of advice hmm. um what would it be?
1: Well, for a leader communicating on social media, I would advise transparency and authenticity and uh, candor, but not uh, excessive, uh, overly promiscuous uh, sharing, if you will. Um, I I think this all adds up to me, advising a a we and us orientation in terms of how you should approach social media rather than a me or I Mm -hmm. way of looking at it. And here I think my Asian experience has informed my perspective because in some Asian country, Japan, for example, social media, uh, the technology is the same as, as in Western countries. um, But people use social to talk uh, more about the, the we, um, not about the me. And yeah. whereas in the Western countries, which are far more individualistic, mm. uh, you know, there, there's a, a different feeling there. And I, I find almost that the, the most effective people on social media in Western countries are those who communicate Asian, if you will, the ones who do have a sense of community, yeah. um, not just of self.
0: It's keeping it inclusive, isn't it?
1: Well yeah um, and everyone has a voice, and you know it's a the, one of the things I like about social media is that it's it's a great convening place for all sorts of people from across every segment of society with whom you may not have had any past yeah. connection yeah. and and so it's a way to to learn and it's, especially when it comes to seeing things from the perspective of other people who could be, you know, pensioners who once worked for your company or who could be the, um, the employees who, who work for the firm or who could be investors prospectively thinking of buying more stock. Yeah. Um, and, and people who live in countries or have certain ways that you can't even possibly imagine because you've never lived life in their shoes before. That's a wonderful thing about social yeah. media.
0: Uh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So, um, wonderful Bob. That's been so many insightful aspects there. And um, so thank you so much for sharing your experience, your insights. I like to end with a few quick fire questions. And they're very they're they're quite big questions, but we're okay. just gonna go top of the head. True. Sure. So okay. Whatever comes in, they're kind of quick fire. So I'm gonna fire these at you. Are you okay with that, Bob?
1: I'll do my best to meet your needs here.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. So if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be?
1: The collective ignorance or uh, ostrich head in the sand on climate change. And there, of course, social media has a big role to play in changing that.
0: Yep brilliant and that has come up a couple of times it's it's a, it's a hot topic on all of our on all of our minds um, and which book have you read recently that's inspired you
1: I'm reading a book called Honest Signals published by MIT I was in Boston back in March and I saw this in the MIT bookstore and it's about how social cues are shared between people in a way that should send us signals that indicate that a person may be perceived as a leader who does certain things and you look at the behavior of persuasion and, and that, that I find um, a really interesting read actually that that totally is in tune with social media.
0: That is one for the list. I'll make sure the links to that are in the show notes as well for anybody else who's interested in that. And last but not least, what's the best piece of advice you have been given to date?
1: To not, send it immediately. (laughs) Not to post immediately. To give it time to marinate, to consider. I find that um, especially in in back and forths with people, including adversaries or critics, Mm -hmm. people can can get carried away by the emotions of the moment. So yes, social media is about sentiment and feeling and all that, but there should still be some logic there and some and, and some perspective so take a deep breath pause and then communicate just don't be pressured yeah. into into angry angry exchanges which may not serve your interests
0: I love that it's a kind of sleep on it piece of advice isn't it absolutely absolutely brilliant so Bob thank you so much for your time thank you so much for your insights I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat I hope you have too and it's been really great to have you on the podcast
1: Well, many thanks, Michelle. The feeling is mutual and I've had a great time talking with you now.
0: You've been listening to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast. Thank you to my guest and indeed, thank you to you for tuning in. Please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes. You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash Podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too. So be sure to check those out. So for now, from me, Michelle Carville, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye. Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvillecreative.co.uk.